Welcome to the Titan Size Podcast. I'm Luke Worsham, joined by the other two hosts of the Titan Size Podcast, Matthias Wadner and Will Lomas. We are back to uh, recap yesterday's Titans versus Ravens game. Uh, if the mic quality for me sounds different, it's because it is different. I'm using a different microphone this week. My other one is not available at the moment. Long story. Anyway, let's get to this game. Um, really impressive performance by the Titans on all fronts yesterday. They clearly came out, knew what they wanted to do, uh, executed their game plan, and and went home happy with a big win. Yeah, I, I mean, you really love to see it, especially oh. two weeks in a row. Wait a second. I was still thinking of the Eagles game, just like the team was. Oh, yeah. Seriously, though, like I'm convinced that this team still thinks that they're in the Eagles game. Probably. I mean, I, I, I don't know what they've been doing the last two weeks. Um, just the, I did not go into this game feeling particularly good. I kind of didn't even want to watch it. And I think a lot of that had to do with just how poorly they played against the Bills, uh, and it kind of exposed them a little bit. And this game was just... I, I don't know how to even describe it without cursing. It was just really <laughs> bad on all fronts. Nobody looked good. There really aren't any positives to take away from it. It's just another conference loss, uh, second loss in a row, and now we have to play the Chargers in London before we get our bye week. And it's very possible, if not likely, that we're going to go into the bye week with a losing record, which I don't think any of us saw coming after they started 3-1 and one yeah. with three straight wins over the Texans, Jaguars, and Eagles. So it just seems like like uh, like the wheels are kind of falling off. Yeah, I mean, we'll get into more detail in a second, but that was maybe the worst football experience of my life. So, I mean, it was bad. It was, it was bad, and I promise it's going to get worse before this conversation is over. I, so what I want to start with is uh, – this locker room, this Titans locker room, because after the uh, the Eagles game, what we kept hearing is, oh, we don't get enough national respect. We need people to talk about us. And I, I talked last week about how they let that kind of become arrogance. But now that they're losing games, they've, like, lost their mojo. Like, I, it's been a several weeks since I've heard someone say for the boys in that locker room. And it's because they're losing. And they need to stop losing and they need to get back to that underdog mentality that they had because they can't sleepwalk anymore. They've done it for eight quarters in a row. Uh, I may, hopefully uh, we can just retire that uh, for the boys slogan because I hated it from the beginning, and I, I just hope it's gone. <laughs> I don't know. All, the, I don't... all those T-shirts that those companies sold. Oh, um, man. Well, uh, hopefully we can come up with one that actually works. Uh, but yeah, I, I think all the talking, uh, I mean, I don't know how much it actually had to do with, with their performance over the last two weeks. Uh, I think it does kind of maybe have a mental aspect to it. Um, and if we want to talk about karma, I mean, this is like a prime example. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you talk, you, you, you talk about something and then it just, it just hits you, hits you on the butt. So, uh, I'm not too, too surprised. Uh, I'm just more surprised with how lifeless this team has seemed like the first four weeks we were praising Mike Vrabel because this team amid a lot of adversity 
and a lot of injuries, they would come out with a chip on their shoulder, play aggressive, be resilient. And over the last two weeks, the, nothing. We've seen absolutely nothing yeah. from the team. Uh, and I think that's kind of translated to the fans also because you could hear a pin drop. I mean, I wasn't there. I was only looking yeah, you're right. uh, and hearing through right. the TV. It sounded like there was no sound in the entire stadium. I mean, it's not like the Titans fans had anything to cheer for. No, no. I, I understand. I understand. Honestly, though, like, the Ravens fans weren't even talking after a while. Like, even they were like, this is so- – and Ravens and Titans fans hate each other. And at the beginning of the game, there was a lot of trash talk where I was sitting. By the end of the game, Ravens fans weren't cheering, weren't making fun of Titans fans. They just weren't talking. Like, to them, the contest had been over for – two yeah. quarters and the Titans fans that have been over for three. So, I mean, there was no life in the crowd from either side. And we talked about this before the podcast, but the whole for the boys thing, somebody mentioned it uh, in my con in my uh, mentions and came and said, you know, the whole for the boys argument is great. Like it's a great chant to get behind. But then when somebody goes like helmet to helmet with, uh, Kern and nobody does anything like you've just got to stop saying it like yeah. if you're going to let John just go ahead and take liberties with your punter and then there's no repercussions there's no you know the biggest thing you had is that the long snapper came over and gave him a talking to like if that's your big response to like almost concussing Kern and putting him out of the game who's one of the more well-liked guys in the locker room then you just got to quit saying for the voice like it just you you don't back it up mm-hmm Agreed. And then I, I, I mostly agree with that, but something's got to change with their attitude because they, there's been no energy at all in the last two weeks. Yeah, it, it kind of seems like, well, I mean, I'm sure they care that they're losing, but it seems like they really don't. Uh, and they've been playing like they, they don't care. They're just, they're not making plays. Uh, they're not coming back. They're not, they're not hyping each other up. I, I'm just not seeing anything from the team that leads me to believe that they're going to snap out of this funk. Uh, and I don't know who that starts with. Uh, I think maybe the leaders have to have to do something uh, to get this team going because they looked great through the first four weeks of this season. I, I mean, granted, all of their wins were close wins, and, and they took a lot of energy out of them, but th- this is no excuse against against the Bills and the Ravens. I, I mean, the Ravens, I understand, they're a great team, but you're at home in a big game, uh, and the arguments for the Bills game was that that we played down to the competition. Well, what happened against the Ravens? That's not a team you played down to. They're one of the best teams in the AFC, and that's a team you expect the Titans to show up against, um, and they didn't at all. In fact, they looked like one of the worst teams in the entire league. Yeah. So, so something has to change, like you've said, and honestly, I don't see it happening anytime soon. Yeah, you talked about the energy, and there's one thing that always gets offense, defense, whoever motivated, and that's when Mariota breaks a long run. Mm-hmm. And over the past two weeks, LaFleur has systematically taken that element out of the game, and I have no idea why. Like, they talk, talked about how there was a mush rush versus the Bills. Okay, I guess – but then the Ravens blitz you. Like, look, th- there have to be answers for that. You know, Cam Newton has made an entire career out of running. Russell Wilson runs a ton. Aaron Rodgers runs a ton. Like, it, it doesn't even have to be big 25-yard runs. But I-, I-, I don't know. I mean, there was one late in the game 
And then there was one kind of mini run that felt like a huge thing, but it was only five yards because that's how bad the offense was all day. But you've got to manufacture him some sort of touches in the running game. And then if it's not there, tell him to slide. If you're worried about him getting a big hit, you know, tell him to slide or whatever. But that's 50% of what makes him great. Like, it's not that he has a terrible arm, but you've got to use his legs to energize the team, to energize the fans, to make the offense work. It, it, this offense just will not work without that element. There's one element of yesterday's game that I, I want to hit on right now, and that's the decision at the end of the half to run the clock out. So Kevin, Kevin Byard has his interception. The Titans get a first down, and then they, they kind of struggle the, the next time and just decide to run the clock out. After the game, Mike Vrabel said that the reason that was done is he felt it was best at that point to just get out of there, go regroup in the locker room, and, and have halftime. I get that. But I have two problems with that. Number one, Mike Vrabel is supposed to be Mr. Aggressive, right? Well, that wasn't aggressive. That was far from aggressive. That was lying down. That was saying, all right, you got us this time, but you know what? We'll get you next time. That wasn't aggressive. Mike Vrabel lost his identity. Um, number two, um... So we keep talking about they need something to spark them. What bigger spark than an interception, than a turnover in a game that didn't have any other turnovers? And you decide to lie down after that? That was the spark. That was it. Handed to you on a silver platter, Mike Vrabel. What what was going on? Like, I have a huge problem with that. Uh, I do, too. That, that was a page out of the Mike Malarkey playbook where you punt on fourth and one from like the opposing team's territory. Yeah. Uh, that was, that was like on the same, on the same line. I, I just don't get it. You had 50, 50, what? 57 seconds. I think after the interception. Uh, and I think I'm pretty sure we had a couple of timeouts. I understand not having confidence in your offensive line to block. Uh, and maybe you don't have confidence in your quarterback either, or just the offense as a whole, but at least try something. It was 14 to zero. I don't. What does it? What does it do for you to just run the clock out? And also, the Ravens almost got a field goal out of it. Uh, they got. We got lucky because I think uh, they they got a false start penalty while Justin Tucker was lining up for a long field goal that he was probably going to hit because he's Justin Tucker and he's amazing. So if they if the Ravens would have gotten three points out of that, I would have. Oh man, I would have been really. Variable, but but I agree. I just, he's been this aggressive guy, uh, and then for him to do that is just kind of baffling. Um, so I, I don't know what his thought process was. I I, I mean I understand sometimes you got to go in a half, but we didn't score a single point, uh, and we, it seemed like we weren't even trying at times, and that was one of those situations. Yeah. So let's talk about aggression as a concept, like just in general. He's been super aggressive, and that's identity. And the one aggressive play they had all day was the deep pass to Taewon Taylor that was inches away from being a touchdown. And that was the one time they really tried that. And it, there was just no aggression on defense, no aggression on offense. It was it, everything they did screamed that they thought they were the better team and eventually just playing their style of ball would end up with a win which is 
everything that Mike Malarkey did. That, I mean, that cannot happen. You have to be smarter than that. And Vrabel has been for the most part, and I still think Vrabel's a good coach. I think it's more on the coordinators. But at a certain point, the team has to have Vrabel's identity, and Vrabel's identity is aggressiveness. I, I just – I mean – he said something today where he said, you know, he was a little shell shocked and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, like they kicked the Titans' teeth in and they had no response for it. And the players didn't do anything about it. The coaches didn't do anything about it. It, it was like, it was it was crazy. It was, it was like sometimes when you see a fighter who comes into a fight late and hasn't trained to fight somebody, and then they just get rocked by better competition. That's exactly what it was like. It was just like. We had no business being in the same stadium as the Ravens yesterday, and it was just – it was evident. I agree. That's exactly what it looked like. They looked like – we made them look like one of the best teams of all time, and it looked like we were playing two completely different sports. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I I don't I don't know. I mean, they just – it felt like we could have played that game for – a week and we would not have scored a point on them and we would have <laughs> yeah. three third days. Like that's a good we, way to put it. We're gonna be a team. So let's talk about the uh the eleven sacks. And my thing about the eleven sacks is when you give up eleven sacks in the NFL, it's not just the offensive line's problem. Because if the offensive line is struggling with protection, then other people are going to pick it up. The the backs are gonna chip in. The play callers are going to make adjustments. The receivers are going to you know, do something. But none of that happened yesterday. The offensive line, of course, was not good. Because when you give up 11 sacks, it is, of course, partly the offensive line's fault. But the backs weren't doing their jobs. The tight ends weren't doing their jobs. The receivers weren't getting open. Marcus Mariota was running around like he was lost. And the play callers made no adjustments. So that 11 sacks was not just a protection breakdown that was a debacle for the entire offensive unit, including the guy in the booth, Matt LaFleur. What in the world is wrong with this offense? Because this is no longer a we're not clicking. This is no longer a, you know, it's going to take some time to get things under our belt in this offense. That was a disaster yesterday. That was not a scheme issue, was it? I mean, I don't think it was. I think it was just everyone was inept. Uh, I'm not sure what to even say. We've been talking about uh, Derrick Henry not being a scheme or offensive fit. Uh, I'm starting to think maybe no one's a fit in this offense because no one looks good. Just Corey Davis. And, except for Corey Davis. And uh, in this past game, I mean, uh, all right, listen, the offensive line has been, they were really good the four, first four weeks of the season in terms of pass blocking. They were Barely giving him quarterback hits, uh, and we were singing the praises of the offensive line coach, Keith Carter. Uh, in terms of run blocking, they haven't been able to block all year. It, it's been terrible. What happened yesterday was one of the most embarrassing uh, pass blocking displays I've, I've ever seen in my entire life. And I, I don't even know. I mean, there were some breakdowns, but most of the time it was just them getting beat. And then after the first couple of sacks— uh, Mariota started getting a little hesitant, uh, and he just could not pull the trigger. And I, I think a lot of that was due to the receivers not being able to get open. But a lot of that was just, by the end of it, it was a culmination of everything. The receivers not getting open, the offensive lineman getting beat, 
and Mariota just having no confidence within a collapsing pocket on nearly every drop back. Um, and what I don't understand personally is what Matt LaFleur is doing uh, in the Bills game. We saw a bunch of screens and a bunch of short passes. And then against the Ravens, who were getting pressure on almost every play, we did we run a screen? We ran one screen to Deion Lewis, right? Yeah. Yeah, and it worked for five yards. One screen when we gave up 11 sacks. This just That makes absolutely no sense to me. Uh, I'm not trying to, like, rake uh, Matt LaFleur over the coals, but that his last two game plans have been baffling and it's something we haven't seen and I don't, I don't even know how long yeah um it was bad like the every single offensive lineman was bad um conklin was probably the best of the five and he got the only reason i say probably is dependent on how you want to read that flag which i thought should not have been a flag where he basically just took somebody and drove him into the dirt, which I mean, I've, I've seen that happen to so many Titans defensive ends, I I can't count, but I guess that day they were feeling particularly protective of that guy, but whatever. So, I mean, he was good and I think even he allowed a sack, but it was just I mean, it's bad. This is a game that's going to cost one, maybe two of the interior linemen their jobs at some point, either during the season or in the off season, it was just that kind of game, the kind of game where you, you may trust them as guys who you're like, okay, we can finish the season with them, but they're not guys you're like, okay, we can keep this line in place because it's good enough to beat everybody. And I mean, and, and I think mistakes. a lot of us thought that last year we talked during our podcast about how they needed to upgrade the interior offensive line. And you know what they did? They brought back the same three they've had for the last two years. <laughs> yeah. And I think, I think Klein was the guy we wanted him to replace because And then they Spain, gave him the big money extension. Yeah, and Spain had been good and then he'd gotten hurt and after he got hurt he hadn't recovered. I think Spain looked worse than anybody. Although as much as I like Ben Jones and I think he's intelligent mm. on the lines, he had some terrible play. I mean, he just and I mean, I couldn't do it. So, you know, I'm sure somebody's going to be like, well, you couldn't block those guys. Yeah, that's true. But I could have gotten my ass whooped yeah. as well. I mean, it the was Tajay Sharp tweet where if you can't do yeah. uh, what the athletes yeah. do, you yeah, can't comment on it. Okay. Subtweet me, Tajay. So the biggest thing about Matt LaFleur is I think we kind of know what his fatal flaw is now. And that's if he has a good game plan going into a game, the, the Titans offense will be fine. He did it with Miami. He did it with. Uh, Houston, he did it with Philadelphia, but if he's got a game plan that's not going to work, it's just not going to work. He, he you, has you know not, who that sounds like? Terry Robisky. Robisky. Yeah. yeah, he does, but the only difference is is like, LaFleur has some concepts where he's got like three tight ends and all that, but he's not dead set on, we're going to be a ground and pound team, and we're going to have to get three yards in a cloud of dust. I mean, I, I like conceptually what LaFleur wants to be I just don't think mentally he's there to where he can change a game game plan in the course of a game which some coaches don't like there's some head coaches who got there from you know just being great game planners and guys who could script plays really well but then who who struggled throughout the rest of the game and I mean I guess that that's good enough to win a bunch of games in the NFL but if you're ever going to be one of those true like high caliber like 
guys that everybody wants to hire as the head coach, if you're going to be that guy as an offensive coordinator, especially at his age, you've got to be able to adapt and adjust in the game to the looks you're getting. Mm-hmm. Yep, I agree. So where's the pass rush for the Titans? Because we were talking the first four weeks about how they were going to have to cut either Arakpo or Morgan because they were so stacked at pass rusher. <laughs> how they had pass rushers coming out of the woodworks. And now Derek Morgan's going to be out for at least two weeks. And uh, the guys who are on the field are doing nothing. Still no sacks from Brian Arakpo. We had uh, we had eight total pressures in this game. I think Flacco had the easiest time he's had in it all season. Probably he was he was spotless. We didn't even touch him. It was shocking. And, and I mean, we've seen this in the past. Uh, it, it happened in the past. It happened last year uh, against Oakland and Derek Carr, where the offensive line just neutralizes our entire pass rush. And the quarterback just has so much time to just go through his reads and pick out players. And that's exactly what happened in this game. And it, it's a big reason why, uh, well, no, it's not a big reason why we lost because we scored zero points. Yeah. But it's a big reason. <laughs> it's, a, it's a big reason why uh, the Ravens were able to just get these drives that were painfully, painfully long. Their well, first the, 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 drive. Their very first one, like. 94 17 yards, plays. Plays, 70 plays. 17 plays, 94 yards, 9 minutes. Oh, my God. I, I mean, how is that even possible? And then to open the second quarter, uh, no, open the, sorry, open the second half, they had another touchdown, touchdown drive, 12 plays, 78 yards, 7 minutes and 20 seconds. Yeah. And then it, it, they just had these drives where we could not get off the field, particularly on third down. Uh, it seemed like every time they had a third down, um, and it, it, it seemed like it was a third and six every time, except for that one third and 17, which everyone knew we were going to give up. I mean, that was automatic. <laughs> yeah. That's a that's a, that's a a Tennessee Titans staple. Third, third and like 15 plus, we're giving it up for sure. <laughs> but um, no, it just we couldn't get pass rush, and it was just so easy for Flacco on these third downs uh, to find a guy in the – it was mostly in the middle of the field uh, unless he was going outside a crab tree who ate Malcolm Butler alive because Malcolm Butler's looks like the worst cornerback in the league. Anyway, we'll get, we'll, we'll get back to yeah, him. I'm sure. Yeah, we will. But a lot of that was due to the pass rush. Um, and just, you can't give, you can't give a quarterback five seconds to throw the ball because you can't cover for five seconds in the NFL. It's impossible, especially with the rules in place now where you can't even touch receivers. So I, I, I don't know where the pass rush has gone. Camelot Correa, it, I, I don't know. It, it, does he even exist? I do, I do think play? that we saw yesterday why the Ravens were willing to trade <laughs> Camelot Correa. Yeah. Yeah, they did not need him at all. Um, and, uh, yeah, honestly, the only guy who even showed up in pass rush, I think, was Jarrell Casey. I mean, he's been great. Uh, but no one else really did anything except for Bayard on that one on that one blitz where, where he got home. So... I, that was just a pitiful performance, honestly. Yeah, I mean, I wish anybody in my life liked me as much as Dean Pease likes Joe Flacco because he was just laying up the easiest coverages and easiest like, – I mean, I say blitz. Y'all can't see me, but I'm air-quoting blitz. Like, <laughs> everything he did was so <sighs> – bad is not the 
a strong enough word. It's it's incompetent, I guess would be a better word. Like it was so clearly the wrong thing to do in the wrong, like it, it, it was bad. I mean, and Dean Pease said all week, he said, you know, it's an emotional game for me. You know, I wouldn't be where I am without Baltimore and I love Baltimore. And I mean, he backed up his words. He loves Baltimore. <laughs> I mean, he would never do anything to hurt him. And he showed that he showed that yesterday. Like, I've never seen as much green grass open field as I have when it was third and seventeen for uh, oh, the, the the middle They're of the field Bates. was open. They're the in Bates. I, I mean, it, like we were one third down away from seeing them go ahead and send the punt team out there on third down just just to give them an easier look. It was the only way that they could have gotten easier. <laughs> I mean, it was it was atrocious. I mean, and I I like Dean Pease. Dean Pease has done a great job for the first four weeks of the se- five weeks of the season. Even I mean, he was definitely not the reason we lost against Buffalo last week. But I mean, he was damn sure part of the problem this week. It was a bad job. It was a lack of aggression. It was soft coverages. It was not knowing who you're playing. I mean, it was. It was as close to like suspect behavior as you can see at the professional level, where you're like, "Man, that that sure looks fishy compared to everything else he's done and how much he should know about this team." But I mean, I, I, I'm assuming that that's not really what happened because that's not the way it happens in the NFL, and he's a professional and all that. But I mean, if it wasn't, it was as damn close to malpractice as you can get. It, it was just a pitiful effort and you know it's not even as bad as the plays were as bad as some of the personnel groupings were and as much as it didn't fit the worst thing he does to me is that he's trying to make Harold Landry this balanced player and he's trying to line him up inside and line him up as a kind of heads up like you take the body of the blocker and it's almost like he's teaching him to brush rush and I don't know if he's trying to teach him counter moves or what but they need to Rabel needs to stop that now Harold Landry (laughs) is really good at the hardest thing you can do in football which is speed rush and instead of taking advantage of that by doing that every time and blitzing underneath it or doing stunts inside they keep trying to make him do these stupid things that don't work and it's neutralizing maybe their most explosive defensive player. And, I mean, it is, it yeah, is killing this team's power. I'm glad you said that, Will, because that kind of describes do, uh, the Do Daquan tight- Jones and Austin Johnson play on this team, by the way? I've no, I haven't seen them this year. <laughs> I, I mean, Austin Johnson, I think, I don't, I don't know. But Daquan Jones has done a little bit. I think he had a tackle for loss in this game and did okay. But, I mean, <sighs> this defense... Like we, I mean, Rashawn Evans had a good day, but other than that, like you can make the case that they need one more defensive back and one more defensive lineman and probably an off the ball linebacker slash edge linebacker. Like you could make the case that as much resources as they put in the defense in the last year, they still have to hit on every level again. Yeah. Um. So. Let's talk about Malcolm Butler. It pains me to, to have to have this conversation. But he's been so bad. 
He's been really bad. He got torched the you know for the first five weeks by Jordan Matthews and Will Fuller and uh, and Kenny Stills. Sorry, that's three, not four. And then yesterday the the Ravens were picking on him. I mean, it's bad for one of the highest paid players on the team. Yeah, uh, I don't want to come to conclusions after six weeks, but he looks like one of the worst signings in Titans franchise history. Uh, and, and I don't think I'm being hyperbolic. I really don't because we paid this guy a lot of money to be our number one cornerback, uh, a guy that we can leave in man coverage on the other team's top receivers, and he is getting smoked by everyone. He got smoked by Jordan Matthews two weeks ago. Jordan Matthews. Who they picked up off the street the day before yeah. the game or something yeah. like that. And then, like, Michael Crabtree's a good receiver, but he came into this game with eight drops, and Michael Crabtree was getting open and catching everything against Malcolm Butler. And it's just to the point where I don't know if, if you can bench him because you paid him so much money, but he's he's hurting the, the team. So I, I don't know how much worse LaShawn Sims would be at this point. And, I mean, I wouldn't have the the stones uh, to, to, to bench him, but Bill Belichick did. He benched him in the Super Bowl, and he did it for a reason. And I think we're kind of seeing why that happened and why, uh, why they didn't resign him and they didn't want him anymore. Yeah, I mean, it's it's bad. You know, and it's not a six-game overreaction. It's a 25-game reaction. It's looking back into last year, like you said, and why, you know, Belichick lost faith in him, and it's seeing, I mean, it's just, it's just bad. Like, he's not the number one corner on this team. He's not the number two corner in this team. And if you gave Sims a chance, I don't think he would be the number three corner on this team right now. Like, he's just... I mean, every time there's a big play, 21's on the screen. It's just, it's it's hard. And, you know, I I don't know where the guy who was lighting it up in camp and who looked good against Corey Davis, who Corey Davis has looked good for most of the year. I mean, he's winning a lot of contested catches. And he's, I mean, Corey Davis looks good. So I don't know how... Uh, how Malcolm Butler could beat Corey Davis in practice as often as he did and get smoked by Jordan Matthews, who was not only picked up off the street, but was cut by the Patriots who have, who are at the time who had one of the worst wide receiver cores in the league. So, I mean, I, I don't know, like I, I proposed this trade on Twitter where I said, you know, <laughs> It, Malcolm Butler for Gary on Conley, who's in the doghouse in Oakland because he wasn't drafted by Gruden. And and it, it was pretty much 50-50 on my timeline, and I don't know where the people who were siding with Butler are coming from. I'm guessing <laughs> they're, they're hoping that he can get like back to what he was in 2016, but I think Gary and Conley has a better chance of rising to his draft potential than Butler does of recovering that 2016 status. And I mean, trust me, I hope I'm wrong. I know we all hope hope that we're wrong and that Malcolm Butler snaps out of it and can be that player. But, I mean, if we come back from London and have that bye week and he's not that player after that and it's not some kind of nagging injury or something he's dealing with, then, I mean... you gotta put you got to give Sims a chance, I think. 
Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. got to give somebody a chance. I mean, you've got to sign somebody off the street or something. I mean, it, it, you can't just let this happen. I mean, at this point, I don't know what the answer is because you don't want to bench him if it's a confidence issue and him never get it back. And maybe you tell him to just be super aggressive and just try to jump every route that he sees. And then if he gets beat deep, it was okay because he was going to get beat deep anyway. But, I mean – You've got to do something different with him to try to get him to make some splash plays so that teams don't target him. But Mike Clay, who does a lot of fantasy football stuff and does a lot of like projections, and he, he does this, a bunch of really cool projects, he said that you know in the first drive that the Ravens scored on that they were clearly targeting Butler, and it's it's become it's not something that Titans fans know and like are trying to keep keep under wraps it's something that the entire nfl knows and they're actively attacking him which is not what you pay a guy 10 million dollars a year for i think it that's feels the, like that... we have bleedy ray wilson again on yeah. the team and How i think crazy is i that? think that the most concerning thing about this is as you just said that other teams are making a concerted effort to target him yeah i mean yeah. It's bad, like, and it's not even – so the first few weeks of the season, it was, okay, he's not a guy you want to match up with speed. But Crabtree's not a speed receiver, and he beat him like a drum. I mean, he was losing contested catches. If you go back and watch uh, Butler on Alshon Jeffrey, who – Alshon Jeffrey's Alshon Jeffrey, but, I mean, he's missing tackles. He's getting out physical. I mean – I don't know who you line him up against if he can't beat physical receivers and he can't beat fast receivers. So, I mean, like I said, something's got to change. I mean, I don't know if you just say, okay, you're going to play on this play, you're going to drop four steps, and you're looking directly at the quarterback. Whenever he looks at you, you're just jumping in front of the receiver. I don't I don't know what you do. But they, they've got to figure it out over the bye week. And if he's not playing any better – I wonder if Mike Vrabel doesn't bench him just for the fact that, you know, Vrabel is a results-based guy, you know, based off everything he says and who he's kept on the roster and how he's given birth to a thing. So, yeah. I, no. Well, Vrabel said on Monday that the reason Butler is not playing well is because he keeps his eyes in the wrong place. When he when he's supposed to be watching his receivers, he, he's watching the quarterback. And when he's supposed to be watching the quarterback, he's watching his receivers. And that screams to me like over-aggressive uh, clueless. I mean, you guys can think otherwise. What do you – I mean – I mean, he was clueless on that one play where I, I can't even remember who it was that ran like a corner round. And I think – we're, I think everyone was playing cover three or something. I think that's what we might have decided. Uh, and Butler was just completely lost and lost track of his receiver. And we have no idea what he was even doing. I mean, the the tape says one thing, and the numbers are backing it up. This guy is playing really, really bad, and it has hurt the team. Uh, thankfully, we haven't played like amazing receivers to this point. Um, so we haven't. We, we, they played Hopkins. Well, yeah, that's true. We played Hopkins and we played Alshon, but um, I don't even know. I can't. I can't think of any positives, and I don't. I don't. I don't know what you do with him at this point I mean, because there, we're there's not no silver linings in a game like that. Yeah, yeah. Maybe maybe Evans. Like, yeah, yeah. Oh, in this game, yeah. yeah. I mean, Evans was fine. I, I thought he was probably one of our best 
uh, defensive players al- alongside um, Casey. Alongside Casey, yeah. I, I I don't know who else even even did. Oh, Luke, Logan Ryan had a good game. Logan Ryan did have a good game. Logan Ryan and uh, Kevin Byard were the only two, and Dory Jackson, except for that one yeah. play. Yeah. Like that's the thing is with groups like position groups, you know, cornerbacks. If you've got one one guy who's getting beat it makes everybody look bad with offensive linemen they were all getting beat last night but if one of them has a bad game i mean you end up with three sacks allowed and it it doesn't look like a good performance so much of this is there's one guy in the group who's not doing their job and it's just killing the rest of the team now last night like i said the whole offensive line was bad but there been in the other losses. There's been one guy who's been letting the team down in each position group, and I guess that just happens in football. But it's so hard to watch, you know, four out of five guys of the defensive backs and of the offensive linemen do their job, and then somebody getting exposed, and it just costing the team a game. Also, in addition to Butler, uh, I think a couple of injuries have actually uh, started to to, to show. Um, to show some holes within the within our depth because Kendrick Lewis is very not good and <laughs> Kenny Kenny Vaccaro was was one of our best defenders up until up until he got injured and Kendrick yeah, Lewis has kind of been exposed. They're they're missing him and and Woodyard and Woodyard for sure. Because yeah. Woodyard will be back this week. Yeah, yeah, thankfully because anytime Darren Bates is on the field, it's 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 bad. It's yeah, bad. Like, He's, they're going to target him. Darren Bates is. A really good special teams player and like that's super valuable but I mean he, he's just not a good solid defensive player and you know I hate it because him and Trawick are really good but at a certain point like if you're not lights out you can't you just can't be put on defense because you become a liability mm-hmm. yeah I, I I agree with that I want to talk real quick before we start to wrap up about this running game because, whoa, is it bad. (laughs) Now, sure, they weren't able to – here's the thing about the running game. Why couldn't they run the ball? Well, they couldn't sustain drives. Why couldn't they sustain drives? Because they couldn't run the ball. Right? I mean, why why couldn't we throw the ball because we weren't running the ball effectively? It's an endless cycle. And – it's one they have to get out of because it, it is as old at this point. What, six games and they haven't run the ball in a single game? And see, I'm not bringing a stat. I'm not trying to say, like, well, the, uh, the Z-Lander 5000 says that they're not running the ball. No, my eyes say they don't run the ball well. I don't need a stat to back that up. They don't run the ball well. So I'll ask you guys. What is the problem? Is it they can't sustain drives? Is it a personnel issue? Because that's what I think it is. Because I don't think Henry fits their scheme, and I don't think Deion Lewis is very good running the football. Deion Lewis has been has been bad on the has ground. He, uh, has he been better through the air? He's slow. He's quick, but he's yeah. slow. Yeah, I'm. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I don't think we've been using him all that well. Well, to be honest with you, outside of the the Dolphins game, he was great in the in the Dolphins game. Easily our best running back, um, and probably uh, probably the second best offensive performance we've had outside of Mariota and Davis in the Eagles game. But I mean, he's averaging three point one yards per carry. 
I don't know what Derrick Henry's averaging. Uh, he played well in the in the Bills game, but he's been pretty terrible in every other game. I wasn't expecting either to get much going on the ground against this Ravens team that has been one of the best uh, run defenses in the league for the past. I don't, I don't even know since since they came into since they came into uh, into existence. But no, I I think I, I do think that Henry maybe isn't the proper fit within the offense. But I think the offense it's itself just isn't working and our run blocking is terrible everyone is getting penetration uh our running backs whenever they get the ball there's already someone in the backfield and we've seen henry he can't really create uh whenever someone's in the hole he's not really very good at uh at, at escaping making, contact making space yeah yeah and making something happen Deion lewis is but he hasn't really been able to do it this season, and I, I don't know why it is. Maybe he's slowing down a little bit. I mean, he's getting up there in age. He's almost 29 years old already. So I'm concerned. I don't see this getting better at all going forward just because our offense as a whole is in disarray, and our offensive line is just losing confidence and playing worse as the season is going on. So I, I don't know what's going to happen. So... It, this is just the way I see it. The offense is supposed to work like this. They want to run it left and right predominantly, run wide and run that outside zone. Then they want to be able to boot off of that and run play actions and quarterback keeps. But they can't because the offensive line is getting killed when they move laterally with just four defensive linemen. Like Teams aren't having to commit any sort of extra resources to it to stop it. So... They can't get that run game going, which means that they can't get the quarterback run game going, which I think is a mistake. I think they need to start with a quarterback run and then work everything else off of that. But it's the key is you have to be able to run that outside zone. And because teams don't really have to respect it with their linebackers, like because the offensive line is getting beat so quickly, it's just a non-starter. And I don't think Derrick Henry is a good fit for this offense. I don't really know – where he's a good fit. I don't know what offense he's <laughs> And I mean, I hate it because if there was an offense where you said, okay, we can guarantee you five yards and a five yard run and start, then he would be the perfect running back because that's what he needs. And once he gets that, he's impossible to stop. The problem is now is that he runs and then, it, and I think we've dispelled this at this point. If you listen to us, you know that this isn't true. But the, the idea that he's going to run through contact is insane because he doesn't like if you watch him in the baltimore game a guy will like gently touch him on the legs and he immediately clicks his legs to heels together and tries to dive forward instead of trying to run through that contact and i don't know if that's just a function of being six three and trying to run through a small hole in the offensive line or what but it's just it, he just does not do that or does not understand that he needs to do that and he's been told that well if you fall forward you're six three you'll gain three yards every time you fall forward well that's not true and that's how he plays so I, I don't know I mean they can't do the primary function of this offense because their offensive line is getting beaten so bad and the running backs aren't good enough that they can overcome pressure in the backfield or that they through and run through contact so I mean it's bad all over. The only thing that makes this offensive or makes this run game work is Mariota running the ball and pulling it out on some keeps and 
you know, running read at, it's, it's very simple and we say it all the time. And yet the coaching staff won't do it, which is why you get fans that are frustrated. And it's also how you get the third worst offense in the league. Yep. Yeah. I just, I just don't understand how we hated Terry Robisky's offense and his play calls. How did we get to a point where it's worse? Because right now it's worse, and I—I I mean, Derrick Henry was was wasn't great in Malarkey and Robisky's offense, but he was at least averaging four point four yards a carry uh, in his first two seasons. He's at three point three this year. Deion Lewis is at three point one. I mean, I know some of it has to do with the offensive line, but it, it's kind of and, and this is in a league where we talk about points are up across the league, passing yards are up across the league. We have these new roughing the passer rules where offenses are supposed to fly around. And the one exception to that is the Titans. Yeah. Who are supposed to be this newfangled, awesome, modern piece of art offense. And they're not. They're far from it. it, Yeah, with with an offensive coordinator who's had success everywhere he goes, but he's in his first year calling plays. And and just everyone, everyone seems to have regressed, even though this core has been together for... Two or three years already. It's just it's it's really frustrating and it's it's alarming to be honest. Yeah. So let's let's talk about the elephant in the room. I, okay. Do we think this is Marcus's fault? Because I'll go partially. First. I know I know that I I'm the Marcus pro guy. I don't. I think he allowed some sacks yesterday by how he kind of started panicking after the you know probably number seven, but. For the most part, I think when Mariota has gotten the ball out of his hands, he's been pretty accurate. He's made good decisions. He's been able to throw the ball deep. And, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't think he's a perfect quarterback. But, I mean, it look he looks when, – when he's been able to throw the ball or when he's been able to run the ball, he's looked good. It's just – I mean, how many times have there been wide open guys that he's just missed, you know, and didn't try to make the throw? I mean, usually if there's a guy open, he finds him and he gets the ball to him. Now, whether that ball's like a foot off target or whether there's pass interference or whether there's a drop, you know, he's he's had issues with that. But, I mean, I don't think he's the problem in this offense. He is playing at a high enough level where I don't think this should be the third worst offense in the NFL. I don't know, man. Uh-huh. The, the missed to Taewon stands out to me as the missed opportunity of the game. And with him, there's just – Far too many of those. I mean, are you going to – the thing I keep going back to is, yeah, he's better than a lot of quarterbacks in the NFL. And we did the thing several weeks ago where we picked him like 16th. Is that worth $100 million? Because that's the well, minimum. The minimum think, he's going to make if you extend him. What's the alternative? Well, what is the alternative? I mean, you're, it, let's say the – Draft a quarterback? Well, like, let's say the Titans, I mean, conservatively, they'll win six games. I mean, I, I know we're pretty down on them after the Baltimore game. Oh, yeah, they'll win at least six. Yeah, I think six is probably the floor. And, I mean, if they, if they with how six Jack- and ten, that's a disaster. Right. Yeah, with how yeah, yeah. Is playing and with how the Colts are playing, like, that's three more games that they should have a good chance to win right there. Forgetting the fact that they play well, they the Jaguars. They still Jag- haven't played the Colts, so four, really. Yeah. No, 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 because they've already played the Jaguars once. 
Um, I, I, I didn't include Houston because Houston's playing well now. But, yeah, but we play the Giants, Redskins, Jets. I mean, it's, yeah, it's- like so. I mean, conservatively six. I mean that that seems like three, the six, three teams for them to overlook. Yeah. So that's yeah. We're acting like we didn't just lose to the Bills. Yeah. I mean, we whatever. Anyway, like this is we're we're getting bogged down in the pre part before the point. My point is, is where are you going to pick ten? I mean, Patrick Mahomes got picked around that range, but historically, I mean, how many quarterbacks have been picked around that range and been the three good? best oh. quarterbacks in the NFL are Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, and Drew Brees. None were high first round picks. Yeah, but that just doesn't historically stand like. Peyton Manning was a number one pick. I, I don't know. I mean, so was Sam Bradford. We also I'm don't sure. exactly have the coaches to cultivate uh, a quarterback prospect right now. What have they shown to well, make Pat us O'Hara believe if we draft uh, a Pat O'Hara helped Deshaun Watson? Okay, and Deshaun Watson looks like an average quarterback right now. With him so, gone. Uh, well, that's true. He made him great. I, I don't know. Wow, I mean, that's a good point. <laughs> who uh in this we this, get drew lock yeah that's that's what i'm saying is is like there's nothing but garbage quarterbacks in the next draft i mean i don't know this was supposed to be the promised land draft for quarterbacks I and thought last none year was of supposed to be like rosen darnold those guys yeah that's what i mean like uh, the, this crop of rookie quarterbacks was supposed to be great and none of them look good I mean, Baker looks fine, but he just got smoked by the Chargers. Now, to be fair, we're about to go get smoked by the Chargers. So, I mean, I shouldn't throw stones, but I don't know. I guess my point is, is if you've got a quarterback who has it, won what? Go ahead. No, no, you you, you go ahead. I was going to say, you've had back-to-back eight-win seasons with a coaching staff that, you know, Terry Rubisky got hired, but – the head coach isn't even a position coach anywhere in the NFL. And I mean, there's no, there's no market for their services. And the offensive coordinator has gone and been one of the two teams with a worse offensive output than what we have now. So he's had bad staffs before this and he won 18 games in the regular season in the last two years. And I I don't know, like I think you should be able to win games with that quarterback. Yeah, so I've been looking at the quarterback prospects while you were talking, and uh, no, we can't get we can't get rid of Marcus Mariota. These upcoming two drafts are really bad. Yeah. I, will, I hate that the Titans fall into this. Well, the alternative is worse because that doesn't win Super Bowls. It just doesn't. We're in, well, I mean, like, we're like, could in. you could you have imagined if the Chiefs, when they were unhappy with Alex Smith? didn't do anything because they were like, well, well, what's the alternative? Dude, we're the Cincinnati Bengals. We're in quarterback purgatory. The Chiefs were two years ago until they drafted Mahomes. Look where they are now. Yeah, that's true. The 49ers thought they could do better without Alex Smith and look at where they are and have been for the last five years. Ex- I, well, I think a decent course of well, they went to the Wait, ho, be... ho, ho, hold up. They went to the Super Bowl without Alex Smith. What are you talking about? Oh, did they? Is that the year that Alex Smith was gone? Yes. No, no, he the was next there. Year, he got and then the next year they lost in the NFC Championship game. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah. 
So we should sign Kaepernick, you're saying? That's true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. We, we should sign Colin Kaepernick. That's <laughs> I agree. Yeah. I, I will say this, though. It feels like every other week we're having this same conversation about Mariota. And that's a problem. You know, you know even the Bengals. Like, if you listen to a Bengals podcast, it's, I bet you it's not every – they don't every other week discuss, well, is Andy Dalton the answer at quarterback? He, he is. He just is. They know that. Mm-hmm. I mean, but they did for four years. I mean, just because he's had a good year this year. I, I mean, Andy Dalton's been to the Pro Bowl. Do what? Andy Dalton's been to the Pro Bowl. They made the playoffs yeah, four like, years in a as row. As like a 18th alternate. Like, Wasn't Mariota in the Pro Bowl also? No, he would have been if he didn't break his leg. Yeah. Oh, like, yeah, you're right. And this is what, Mariota's fourth year, and he should have been a Pro Bowler that year, and... I mean, he he was what like one guy going down away from being in the Pro Bowl last year, probably. I mean, I, no, I don't know. Like he was, quarterback, whoa, was weird. why would he have made the Pro Bowl last year? Because everybody makes the Pro Bowl. Like, I mean, <laughs> there's there's 16 guys that can make the Pro Bowl on each side, right? So you get three guys. The best guy from each side is gonna pass because they're gonna be in the Super Bowl. So now you've got four guys in. Okay, usually somebody is injured or somebody just got done in the playoffs, so you're down to your fifth guy, and then really it's just you know, you may get down to your sixth guy or somewhere around in there. So now you've got the sixth best out of 16 going to a Pro Bowl, and that just basically comes down to who played the whole season because who accrued enough stats for him <laughs> to know who they are. Do you so, remember the one year they invited Trevor Simeon to the Pro Bowl and he declined the invitation? <laughs> uh, no, but that it illustrates my point perfectly. Like, the fact that there was somebody was behind Trevor Simeon and got to go – and the fact that Trevor Simeon got invited because Broncos fans just clicked on the vote button more than anybody else, that is not a good barometer for talent for quarterbacks. But I don't know. Like, I think this year and next year are really important years for Mariota because he either has to fit well in the scheme or he has to transcend this scheme. But if not, you're going to deal with these questions. And they're, I mean, they're going to resign him. Like, I mean, I don't know if that's what you Are want. Are you sure, man? Yeah, I mean, I've got I'm, a bad feeling. I mean, they're, I think they'll sign him to like a $20 million or $21 million contract because Robinson knows that the rest of the alternative. What quarterback agent is going to accept a $20 million contract in 2019 after Jimmy Garoppolo just got paid 30 A nice Hawaiian yeah. agent. Garoppolo was undefeated. <laughs> What? I don't Jimmy Garoppolo I mean, also think... had, had never been to the playoffs and won a playoff game. How did he get so much money, man? That is unbelievable. Because we people think, fall you think Marcus up. is just going to like slide by and take $10 million? Or $20 million, rather? <laughs> I don't think I'll take 10 but that would be dope. Uh, I, mean, I don't know. Tom Brady makes. <laughs> that, that is... That is the biggest screw job in sports, by the way, is the fact that Tom Brady makes no money. Yeah. And they must be financing him some other way, and <laughs> like because it's just it's impossible that a guy with that kind of ego wouldn't be making the most money in the NFL. But because they just don't put it on the books that everybody's just okay with it, we're going to read a tell-all book in the future, and we may have to cut all this out just because this is kind of superfluous stuff. But we're going to read a tell-all in the future about how. He was getting some Boston crowd market was like giving him ten million dollars a year extra under the table, and he was getting paid all this nonsense. Like that, that stuff's gonna come out about that. But 
Doesn't he have the Alex Guerrero guy with TB12? It's like yeah. very sketchy. Yeah, like <laughs> who's like apparently like been involved with like steroids and human growth hormone or something like that. And, and yeah, yeah, he's like, oh, but I didn't give it to Tom. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I didn't give it to that guy who looked like there's no way he could be an athlete in his combine pictures. <laughs> I think, that's, I, th- I think th- this might be our cue to wrap it up. Um, yeah. Uh, Tied in size podcast. Hot takes and controversy. Thank you for listening. Um, we'll be back later in the week to preview the, the Chargers, in, in that which will take place in London. We will all be doing that podcast in British accent, so, uh, so stay tuned. <laughs> Could you imagine like, <laughs> no. us trying to do British accents? Mine's not that bad, actually. Mine is, uh, because we'll, I'm not British. <laughs> we'll, we'll have to see that next week. Um, and, th- and then we get the week off after that, so so that'll be nice. Uh, until then, for uh, Matthias Wander and Will Lomas, I'm Luke Worsham. Titans aren't good. We'll see you next time. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.